Is eternity weighed in silver or gold by who you are or what you've been or what you have owned? Do you gain it from purchase or is it from what you've sold? And what have you sold? Your body and soul, your present, your future, your dreams and your goals? Do you pour it or do you hoard it? Is it opened or closed? Is it humbly given or overexposed? When you tender your life at the feet of your master, is it all that you have clothed in white alabaster? Do you look towards tomorrow or existence thereafter? It's a race that we're all running and there's still time to sprint. So turn your heart to the king and look straight ahead. Are you listening now? You'll be glad that you did. Good morning. Sure glad that you are here uh, on the way in to all of our sanctuaries that give you the notes and in just a minute. We'll use those. If you want to get a pin out to take extra notes or if you simply want to use a device or you learn best by listening, however you're comfortable, do that. Uh, one quick um, advertisement, commercial, whatever you want to call it, uh, our Israel trip, September the 2nd through the 13th. Uh, here's what, I need eight more people. I've got uh, 52 right now and I need 60 to pull the second bus is what, where I'm at. So I've either got to back it down and tell some people no in order to keep it to one, or I've got to grow it a little bit more. So I just want to say this. If you were sitting on the fence when we announced it, and you're like, ah, this year, next year, I just don't know, I could use you. Definitely I could use you. I don't want to have to tell a group of people, no, you can't go to Israel. And you have to have a certain amount on a bus is the way that it works out. It's 35 per bus. Uh, so between, I haven't added the staff in yet to the trip, but I'll need eight more people to hit a 60 number, and then with the staff, it'll put it at 70, 35, and 35. So if you're, if you're here, maybe you haven't heard about that, um, maybe you were just on the fence, uh, maybe you're going, let me make this suggestion, it's not just a closed JFC trip, it's open to whosoever will may come. And so if you've got some friends that you would like to invite, if you're going, or if you want more information, here's what you could do. When all of our services are over out in our foyer, You'll find the information for the trip. You can also call the church office and find the information or go straight to the website and on the front page of the website, jfc.org, you'll find the information. But if you are in a position to be able to go, you would like to do it, I could use you. I really need eight more people to make the trip uh, what it needs to be. So enough of that. If you, if you hear me and can do it, do something about it. Okay, uh, we are uh, at our welcome point in our notes right here. So let me welcome all five of our awesome campuses. And I mean that, love every one of them uh, as they tune in and become a part of our message right now. And I also want to welcome all of our visitors. Uh, just a quick thought. We take time in all of our services to talk to our visitors. Let, let me say this to our visitors. We are glad you are here. You're not here by accident. We pray for you to be here so you're a gift to us. That's how we look at you this morning. So here's what I would want to say to you. If you just want to remain anonymous, we get it. You can do that. But if you'll do this, if you have any question about our church, if you want to figure out how, why, what, any of that, in the orange, when you go to the, the, the foyer, the orange wall, that's where all of our visitors go to. It's real obvious. Take a moment and go there. We have a gift for you. It's a chance for us to meet you, answer any of your questions, and we'd sure like to take advantage of the fact that you're here today uh, and help you with that. Uh, all right, our series is called You'll Be Glad You Did, and what we're doing with this is every week, uh, you'll be glad you, and then fill in the blank. So the first week, I think Pastor Terry mentioned it uh, when he talked about a meeting that's coming up, you'll be glad you connected. I talked about uh, uh, how, how, much, how much you 
will love the fact that you connected. It's one of these messages I taught early on. It's one of the, the, the thoughts behind it is you'll be glad. It's a future tense idea. You may not be glad today that you're doing all these things, or you may not recognize the benefit today, but if you do it, you'll reap on these things. And I'm telling you, that's what's important. So it's one of those messages you have to think, okay, where am I? Where do I want to be? What do I do today so that I'll be glad tomorrow? That's what the message in the series has been about. So last week I talked about you'll be glad you're there, present, and around. Uh, this weekend is a little bit different. I titled this message, uh, You'll Be Glad You Heard This Message. <laughs> Does that sound like a little, how do you know? Well, I, let, so let me throw this out. Most of you will be glad you heard this message. Some of you will not be glad you heard this message. And why I say that is simply it's one of these messages that when it comes out and when it lands there, I'm going to talk about eternity today. And some of you sitting there thinking, okay, is this for people who haven't secured what eternity looks like? Well, maybe in one sense it's about that, but let me tell you what it's really. It's about how you're living your life today and how it affects eternity tomorrow. So it probably speaks more to people who are believers, although it can speak to people who are seeking this morning. But it's not a message that just simply says, hey, think about eternity. It really says this, what are you doing today that's going to affect your eternity tomorrow? And by hearing this message today, you may look at me at some point in your life, and it may be in eternity, and you may say at that point, thank you for saying what you said. Thank you for making me think. Thank you for instituting some changes in my life that changed what eternity could look like for me. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Uh, let me just do this. Um, the takeaway, make better decisions, live with fewer regrets. I think we can all say yes to that. Uh, with eternity in mind, if you were me, real quick, I know it's early and I know you got a lot on your mind for later. <laughs> Hopefully. I can't say anything because I've got staff here that feels like every time I say something about it, we lose. So I'm, I've been instructed, don't say, don't mention the name. So I won't. But Denver's going to win. So there. All right. Got to have faith. All right. So here, here we go. Thinking about eternity, if you were me, you're standing up here. Here's the problem. We, we are, man, we're finite. We have a beginning and we have an end, and that's how we understand ourselves. It's how we understand our world. It's how we understand our futures. And I begin to talk about eternity. And, and your mind, to some degree, can begin to quantify and understand eternity and the fact that eternity is without end. But in reality, we weren't created always here. We have a beginning and we have an end when it comes to this world. So, so the, the technicality of embracing eternity and really understanding eternity, it's difficult. So when I'm writing the message, I've got a great illustration. I'll show you in just a second. But I want to try to get your brains thinking first. And I knew on a Sunday morning that can be difficult to do. So I'll dumb it down for a second to start building you up. I, I, I just Before I talk numbers and length and time and even outside of time, which I know some of you are like, man, I did not come for a theoretical message. Give, give me a second. Let's talk about the lottery for a minute. Any of you aware of Powerball in the last week, two weeks, month? Five of us. The rest are lying because you cannot live and not. How much was it? See, I knew you knew. 1.5 billion. How much is 1.5 billion? The way that they, that they even try to get us to 
conceptualize, envision that much money is they put it in the context of what you can buy with 1.5 billion. Because most of us, even if you're good at math, you could put the zeros up there. And you can think of how large the number is, but most of us can't quantify that because we don't deal with that every day. And so we just become number numb. 1.5 billion, uh, 1.5 million, 1.5 trillion. Quantify it. So in the newspaper this last week, they talked about the winner. If they got the full 1.5, what could they do with it? It was interesting. You could actually buy a sports team. You could buy the Denver Nuggets. I don't think you would, but you could buy the Denver Nuggets if you had that kind of money. You can't buy the Lakers, though, believe it or not. Yeah, isn't that weird? 1.5 billion. Uh, I'm an Audi guy. I like Audi cars, so I saw this. You could buy 12,500 Audi Q7s, 7,560 Audi RS7s. That's 20,000 Audis. If you drove one every day for 15 minutes, you wouldn't even get through a quarter of them. It just kind of quantifies the number. Let, Let me go negative. Let me tell you how big this number is. If you were generous and gave your entire winnings to the federal government to help them out. Anybody was like, yeah, that's what I was going to do with it. What's wrong with you? How long could the federal government operate on $1.5 billion? You just want to help them out. How long could they go? 20 minutes. 20 minutes. Can you imagine? 20 minutes. So they burn four and a half billion an hour. I mean, it's, here's what I'm just saying to you. We hear numbers like this. Technically speaking, our minds can't envelop the vastness of the numbers. So I'm going to talk to you then about eternity. And it goes outside of numbers. The vastness and the... See, when I say length, length doesn't cover it because it doesn't exist in a dimension that's limited by space and time. It's outside of that. How do we, how do we grasp it? How, how, do we, how do we begin to think about it? All right, so in preparing this message, man, I search. I've got a teaching team. They search. I listen to different preachers. I saw a guy named Francis Chan, who I respect and who I listen to and who, who ministers to me. Pastors need pastors. People that speak to their soul. And Francis was... Uh, a couple of years ago, talking about a similar idea. I, this, he had a radical experience with God where he just was pastoring a really big church in L.A., making a lot of money, looked at his life one day and said, this is not counting for eternity the way it's supposed to. The dude sells everything that he has. Just, man, he just lives giving everything away because he wants to change what eternity could look. He just got this concept of eternity that really, it, it spoke to me. And I saw him talking about this, and the only reason I bring this up is I'm going to use his illustration, and I think when a man or a woman uses someone else's information and they don't give them credit for it, it's unethical. So I'm giving him credit. This is his, but I do it better, just so you know, (laughs) right? So I'm trying to get in your mind the vastness that, that we don't really, we don't understand even big numbers, but if you can go outside, how does someone grasp how long, how wide the breadth of eternity? So here's what I did. I tried to get something that I could use as a, a visual understanding of your life here and your life in eternity and how it sort of looks. So, so just use your imagination for a moment, will you? Three of us. I'm, let me come over here to my middle section. You guys look like you have an imagination. 
Look at, look at these in the front right here. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you become like a little child. Some of these are my grandchildren. So use your imagination. This rope represents your existence. It just for a moment, just as a, a linear picture. The red on it, can you see that? Yes. This represents your time here on earth compared to your time for eternity. This, this is such an amazing, this blows me away because almost everybody I know spends all of their resource trying to make this everything and never thinks about this. If I tried to quantify time, and again, time, this goes outside the realm of time because God doesn't exist in time. It's beyond it. But we get time. So if I try to even put like an idea, the length of eternity, um, if you could observe a spaceship, you're on earth, if you could observe a spaceship traveling at the speed of light, which is 186,000 miles a second, and it could cross the universe. The universe was not expanding, which it is, but it was just still. How long would it take a spaceship if you could observe it to cross the universe? Got that? All right. So for our demonstration, our platform is the universe. It would take a spaceship, if you could observe it on Earth, it would take it 100 billion years at the speed of light to cross the universe. So imagine 100 billion years, and then you haven't even begun to touch eternity. You, you could cross back over to the other side of the universe. 100 billion years at 186,000 miles a second, and you could go back to the other side of the universe. And you could go and you could go. The point, everybody that I know for the most part pays attention to this. All of their effort, all of their energy, all of their money, all of their time, everything is put into this 70, 80, or 90 years. And this, when you think about it, God, to get wrapped up in eternity, man, this is what we pay attention to. There's what's really funny. Think about this for a moment. You guys can lay them down. Just think about this for a moment before I choke myself on eternity. <laughs> Maybe the strangest thing about this is that most people work 80% of this so that the very end of it is when they actually live their life. They save up all their money, work really hard, so that the last 10, 15, or 20 years, maybe we can travel. Maybe we'll eat well. And everything is about the red. And no thought about... 100,000 years from now, you'll be just as alive as you are right this second. Spending eternity someplace. And what you do here in the red determines what this looks like for eternity. Eternity without end. 
So I think the common thought today by people who deny the existence of God would be simply this. Well, of course, live for the red because when it's over, it's over. The reason they have to say that, because if they were to admit there's an afterlife, geez, it would have to change what you did in this red, wouldn't it? Yes or no? Yes. I mean, what is it about living on earth that gets us so wound up that all we think, see, hear, taste is just what's in the red and it's so difficult to think here? The message just simply, here's, here's what I slide into place if I can get you to just conceptualize how short this is and how long this part is. As a believer, Jesus constantly challenged his people to think with an eye towards eternity, yes or no? Yes. He always taught, this is important, but it's not about this, it's about this. And what you do here affects what it looks like here. So I, I take that message and I just get before the Lord and I'm looking, okay, God, so what are all the areas you challenge us then to really think about eternity? And I can only boil it down to two things. Two areas that Jesus taught consistently. He would use stories. He, he would use analogies. He would use things from around him to teach these two subjects when it came to thinking eternally. The first one he challenges us to think eternally about giving. Maybe the most familiar one, uh, the one where Jesus uses the parable of the wealthy, powerful ruler who goes away for a long period of time and he calls his servants together, three of them, and he says to the first one, I'm going to give you ten talents, an amount of money or a, a, an ability. I want you to do something with this while I'm gone. He calls the second one, I'm going to give you five. He calls the third one, I give you one. The guy who gives the ten immediately goes out and doubles it. The guy who gives five goes out and doubles it. The guy who gets one, buries it, ignores. Doesn't think about what it's going to be like when the master comes back. When he finally does come back after a long period of time, this is Jesus' teaching. The one with ten, hands him the twenty, and the master says, well done, enter in to the joy of your Lord. What is he talking about? He's talking about eternity. Enter into the joy I've prepared for you. The one with five that made ten, well done. He doesn't say the other guy did better than you. He says with what you had, look how good you did. Come on in. And then the last guy presents him back what he gave him. And what did Jesus say? His harsh words. What? Why didn't you do anything with it? You remember the guy's answer? I was afraid. I didn't like thinking about it. I didn't feel I could do much with it. So here's what I did. I buried it. Let me give it back to you. And Jesus calls him unfaithful and wicked and says, depart from me for eternity. Do you remember the story? We don't teach on that one much. You're quiet. You okay? My name's John. I'm your pastor. It's going to be okay. I hope it does. Let me give you my favorite story, though, when Jesus teaches giving, talking about eternity. Listen to this. This is from Luke chapter 16, verses 9. He goes right to it. Here's the lesson. He just taught a lesson. Here's the lesson. Here's what it means. Use your worldly, what's the word? 
Okay, uh, yes, in a certain translation it will say wealth, but it means resources, and here's my question to you. Instead of thinking only money in this, let's think resources. So let me ask this question. Is time a resource? Yes. You agree with that statement? Yes. Is energy a resource? Yes. Is knowledge a resource? Yes. Is help a resource? Yes. Okay, so here's what Jesus is teaching us. Whatever I've given to you, not just money, don't think money all the time. Whatever I've given, if I've given you time, if I've given you knowledge, if I've given you energy, if I've given you insight, if I've given you a heart, whatever I've given you, use that resource. Don't bury it. Don't forget about it. Don't just use it for yourself. Here's what he says. Look at this. Use your worldly resources to benefit others. Don't you wish it said, use it to benefit yourself? <laughs> How many people at that 1045 worldly service would go, amen, I'm doing that already? <laughs> this is a holy service. I know you wouldn't do that. <laughs> but wouldn't it simplify that if you just said, use what you have for yourself? How easy would that be? Use your worldly resources to benefit others and to make friends. Look at this. Then when your earthly possessions are gone. Is he talking about bankruptcy? No. What do you think he's talking about? Death. Eternity. That's exactly right. When your earthly possessions are gone, the people that you helped will welcome you into, what's that word? An eternal home. Here's what he's teaching. Jesus himself said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go away to prepare a place for you, I will come again to get you so that where I am, you may be also. Heaven is a city, man. It is a place. It is not a cloud where you'll sit floating in a disembodied spirit state, eating grapes and a harp for billions and billions of years. Ooh, let's go. That's not what heaven is. Heaven is a place where you are more fulfilled than you could possibly know. You will have assignments. You will have things that you will do. God has great things. The Bible says, eye is not seen, ear is not heard, neither is it entered into the heart of a person what God has prepared before eternity for you. Yes. Heaven is real and it's literal. And what you do in this red makes it real on this side here. Come on, Pastor. That's what it means. Yes. Yeah. So use your worldly resource to benefit others make friends, then when your earthly possessions are gone, when you're not here, when you are not on this earth, they will welcome you into an eternal home. Listen to what he says. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you will be, uh, but I'm sorry, but if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? Yes or no, this is teaching what you do in the red makes a difference in the white. Yes. Yes. Do you see it? Let me, I'll give you a story. So, 15 years ago or so, uh, when I was a kid, I'll get back there. When I was a kid, I loved to ride motorcycles. I just did it growing up. That's, that was my thing. And as I grew older, I, I for a, a season of my life, 25 years, gave it up. And after my kids got a little bit older, my wife finally relented and let me buy a motorcycle. And I wanted a Harley so bad, so I bought a Harley. And you, some of you know my story. I, I hadn't had it that long and I was taking it out of the garage, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, do not ride it right now. So I just gunned it louder so I couldn't hear that voice in my head, <laughs> took off down the road, and three minutes later hit a deer. Destroyed my Harley. My wife is like, I don't know if I want you to ride. 
I said, if I listen to the Holy Spirit, I might be okay. It was a lesson. There's a whole lesson in this thing. So after some prayer and some time, I told her, listen, I will listen. I will pray first and I will listen. Bought a bike. Another Harley, bigger one. Fixed that thing the way I wanted it. And we were building this building. And I felt the Lord say, hey, uh, you're trying to teach generosity, giving. What are you giving? He said, give the thing that's your most important physical possession. It was that bike at the time. So I put it up for auction, told the church what I was doing. It was crazy the amount of money that we raised with that thing. We gave it to the building fund. But this family in the church saw what I was doing, took mercy on me. And bought the bike and tried to give me back the money. And I said, you can't do that. So then they did a more devious thing. They went out and bought me a brand new motorcycle. So that was my third Harley. It was like my dream bike. And I had it for a little while, but then I get involved in a mission down in Peru. And I feel like the Lord said, hey, give that motorcycle, put it up for auction, and raise money for kids who have no food. And if you remember the story, we raised about $100,000 with that motorcycle. Gave that motorcycle away, and a family in this church took mercy on me. Not asked for, not wanted. Went out and bought me a brand new motorcycle, my fourth one. Chris and I are tooling around on it. We have a close call, and she says, I want you to sell it. So I'm challenged again. I sell the motorcycle, but I held back the money thinking, maybe someday she'll let me have one more. A few years go by, and I bought one more. And last year, the Lord said to me, you're done riding motorcycles. I want you to stop, and I want you to sell it and give all the money back to the church because the whole thing came from there. So I stand up and just said, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. Does it make me special? It's just simply something God told me to do. I sold it and gave the money. And a guy, right after I did it, came up to me, and he said, John, I really feel sorry for you because you never get to keep what God tries to give you. And I said to him, I feel sorry for you because you don't understand that this great story and this great thing that's happened to me, dude, it's not about here and it's not about now, and I'll never miss this. I'll never think twice about it. I won't pine for this or long for this. This all goes into eternity. In the red, of this red, how much of that red did motorcycles make up of it? A fingernail's width? How much will what they accomplished bring back to me in eternity? Does anybody get what I'm trying to say? I mean, for how long will I enjoy that motorcycles didn't own me? The other area that we're challenged by Jesus to think eternally over, giving, the second one is just simply living how you live. Maybe the most familiar scripture, Luke chapter 12. Jesus again is preaching and he just simply, it begins this way. He told them a story. He used stories because people can easily understand a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. That man said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and my other goods, and I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, look how this guy talks to himself. I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, 
You have enough stored away for years to come. So here's how he was going to live his life. Take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night, and then who will get everything you work for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. This one, in my mind, is not about money as much as it's about his attitude of how he was living his life. He saw his life as here and now, in the red. The only thing that matters is the red. And I've done so well for myself, I'm going to take care of me. I'm going to make sure I've got it easy. I'm going to make sure I got it right. I'm going to eat, drink, and I'm going to be merry. And who cares? And suddenly his name is called into an account. I was flying on a plane not too, too long ago with a guy that just simply does what everybody in life does when they have a conversation. They come around, they ask you, what do you do? And for me, you, you probably never think about this, but as soon as you tell someone you're a pastor, a little tape reverses in their mind. Did I say anything I shouldn't have said? <laughs> and I've had the strangest people begin to apologize. I, I, I mean, they get nervous. I, I, I used to go to church. My grandmother goes to church. Yeah. <laughs> I prayed one time, preacher. <laughs> this guy took it a step further. And in a very loud voice in front of everybody, when he found out that I was a Christian preacher, said to me, do you mean to tell me that if I live a good life but I don't believe like you, I'll go to hell? Now, the conversation went from, hey, how are you? Yeah. What do you do? I'm a preacher. To immediately, you mean to tell me, the people in front could hear, the people behind could hear, people to the side could hear. I felt this intense heat. I'm thinking, I don't mean to tell you anything. I, I'm just going to put my earphones on. And, but I'm in this conversation. So I let him finish. And as he waited for an answer, I realized I've got to say it loud enough now because people are listening to this. So I said, I don't mean to tell you anything. You asked me. I didn't start this conversation. But you're under the misguised understanding that living a good life gets you into heaven. I said, the enemy... Of our soul loves that because it fools a lot of people. You need a righteousness that's beyond man's righteousness, and that's who Jesus is. I said, if you trust Jesus, eternity's in the bag. It's what you do here and now that's a reward. I said, when we get to heaven, dude, listen to me, it'll only be a reward or a disappointment. I said, you know, you're not responsible for what you don't know, but now you know. And the guy just turned around and looked forward. We didn't say another word to each other the whole plane ride. <laughs> Getting off the plane, he turned around and said, if there were more preachers like you in the world, it'd be a better place. Amen. How about that? God. People are always under the misguided assumption that as long as I'm a pretty good person, everything's going to be okay. This takes that thought and trashes it. Yep. It's not enough to just say, eat, drink, and be married, and everything's going to be okay, and I'll just take care of myself. You, the red is not it. I don't know how much you ever read from the book of Revelation. Some of you are like, I try to avoid that book. I don't understand that book. I can't make sense of that book. Let me just read something to you that's very clear and very plain. Revelations 20, verse 11. 
I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence and there was no place for them to hide. And that just simply means everything that you put your trust in, that you hid behind, that you felt good about, when we stand before God on the judgment day, there will be nothing there for you. Everything will be exposed and it will be plain to see, not only for God, but for you and everybody else. What you built your life on, what you trusted in, how you lived the red, it'll be seen. Then this interesting part, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. A second book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books, plural. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, death and Hades gave up the dead that were in it, Each person was judged according to what he had done. The Bible's clear on this, two books. One's the book of life, and the other one's the judgments for what we did. The book of life is not based on you getting into heaven by what you did. It's you getting into heaven because you trusted Jesus for what he did. Amen. But let me make this clear to you. There's another judgment. And that judgment is a reward judgment for what you did and how you lived in the red. And here's what the Bible says. Some people on that day will make it to heaven, but they'll be like a man who escaped through a fire with nothing left. And you think to yourself, as long as I made it, I'm okay. And the Bible says it will be a very sad day because it'll be a day when we will realize what could have been, what I should have done. Now, the Bible says that God himself reaches down and wipes away those tears and heaven's a wonderful place. But you will thank me for all eternity if you get this message right now. Or you may look at me and go, Pastor, I wish I would have understood that message. What would you do with this message? How then would you live your life? Why you might be glad you heard this message Because if you get this right, if you understand what I'm saying, if you let God speak to you about what it should look like, here's the words you'll hear from Jesus one day. Matthew 25, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, that's the red. I will put you in charge of many things, that's the white. Come and share your master's happiness. What do you want eternity to look like? I would bet most people in this room only think in terms of, I want to get there, not what it's going to look like. If I just said, tell me about heaven and what it'll be, I bet most of us are just like, I just want to make it. It'll all work out, right? Don't be fooled. This is really short. And this goes on forever. What do you want it to look like? What would you change? What would you do? Hmm. I think it's one of those messages that ultimately it's an opportunity to let the Holy Spirit sort of speak to us. And the truth is, this is what I said last night, This isn't an emotional thing because I don't want you to make, I'm not asking you to make a decision. I'm not taking up an offering. 
I'm not taking you on a mission trip. I'm not asking you to do it. What would the Holy Spirit say about what the red should look like? For each one of us, it's going to be different, isn't it? What are you doing about this? Does it ever enter into your consciousness? Hmm. Father, the last thing this message should do is cause a person to despair. Certainly, the Holy Spirit uses conviction. Conviction is not bad, church. Conviction is the Holy Spirit reminding us that there's more. Reminding us that what we're doing is not necessarily who we are and what God's called us to. Conviction, when it's allowed to have its full work in our life, the Bible says leads to repentance, and repentance leads to life. Should the Holy Spirit bring conviction to you today, don't push it out of your mind. Don't simply dismiss it. Don't just be quick to let it go and say no to it. Allow the Holy Spirit room in your life to work, to say, and to move, and to do, to arrange, to order. So maybe the two things about this message simply would be, if you're here outside of a relationship with God, If like the guy on the airplane, you're trying to live a good life, you're trying to do good things, you're trying to be better than average, I want to tell you the truth. When you stand before God, it won't get you in. God's standard is perfection. And not one of us in this room can attain it. So God made a way by sending his son, who's perfect. And there was a great exchange. He took our death and our sin and our shortcomings on him so that we could take upon ourselves his righteousness, his life, his goodness. That's what this is all about. Jesus is not a way to God. He's the only way because it gives us the ability even stand before God. And if you hear this message outside of that understanding, outside of that belief, outside of that relationship, here's what I would say. God is merciful. God loves you. God today caused this message to cross your path to give you an opportunity to find his love. God is not judging you. God's not angry with you. That's all been taken care of through Jesus. God simply reaches his hands out today, offering to you the opportunity to be reconciled, to be put in right relationship with him. Reconciliation is a two-party issue. On God's behalf, he stands arms open, willing to embrace you. Do you want that relationship? Do you want his mercy? Do you want his love? Do you want the life that he offers you? Jesus was asked this question. Listen to this. The Pharisee said to him, what is eternal life? And Jesus succinctly put it in these terms. Eternal life is that they would know God 
and his son whom he sent. So eternal life is a relationship with God here and now that we carry out then and there. It happens in the red and it's lived out in the white for all eternity. But a choice has to be made. Do you want that? So if what I said matters to you and you say, Pastor, I get it and I'm not in a relationship with God and I've never asked for his mercy, but I hear what you're saying right now and I want that. Would you please pray for me today? If that's you, I will. Slip your hand up right now. Just say, pray for me, John. I need that relationship with God. I see you. I see you. You bet. Yep, I see you. I see you. Anybody else? Just pray for me. Sure. Good. Put them back down. Right way or wrong way to pray, doesn't matter. Here's what you do. From your heart, just tell God, help me. Be merciful to me. I want your life. I'll come through Jesus. Help me. If you mean it from your heart, God will hear you today. Start this awesome eternal life in you now. If you're past that decision, then it would just simply be what would God have you do with what you've heard today. Church, here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Make no decision now. Allow the working of the Holy Spirit to make something inside of you real and lasting and sure. Don't do something emotionally. Don't do something just simply because like, uh-oh, i got to change things. Do it because the Holy Spirit puts a conviction in you that the red needs to count for more than just trying to make it to retirement or just eating, drinking, and being merry. The red will affect what eternity looks like. Father, for every person in here who knows you and is in that relationship, we open our hearts, speak to us, put us in the right place because ultimate promotion is well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. We don't hear those words accidentally. We hear them because we're on purpose. And I thank you for that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, thank you. I know it is a stiff message. I know it is a heavy message. I know it is one that just like, if it works, maybe it makes your brain think. But as you think about it, don't push away what the Holy Spirit would try and do in your life. Thank you, Pastor.